Welcome to Rich Conversations. Biology researcher Rafael Anyorga returns to the show to discuss the importance of using biostatistics and understanding biochemistry to address public health concerns and issues. Uh, on the last episode, Rafael and I, well, basically, I asked questions to him about CRISPR, which is this gene editing tool, uh, and just like all these bioethic questions in the future of humanity. Today, we're going to talk about public health. And so we, uh, we talked about the outlook of the variants and COVID based on data that he shares with me. He expressed his increased interest in virology, which is like the study of viruses and, and how they move and, and uh, change and, and all of that type of stuff. And uh, we also exchanged thoughts on questions regarding biochemistry, obstacles to health, and how to improve health education in the United States, which ultimately affects the entire population. If we think about our interconnectedness, the individual decisions we make in regards to our own health affects everybody around us and, and overall. So it's like, how do we make better individual health decisions to live longer, healthier, and happier? You can follow Raphael on Instagram at Raphael underscore A1206. Now, let's begin. Welcome to Rich Conversations, this podcast where we uh, explore our curiosity and talk to people all over the world in all different fields. Today, we are rejoined by Raphael and Yorga. He was on episode 187, where we talked about CRISPR and gene editing and all these biological things. It's so exciting to have you back. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Always a pleasure. Uh, so why don't you briefly introduce yourself again? Again? Okay. So for everyone here, my name is Raphael. I'm a transfer student from Peru. And I'm currently completing, completing my graduate degree at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in biology. And I'm about to start my master's degree next fall semester in, at the University of Illinois, Chicago for biostatistics. I'm, I'm so excited that you're going to be moving here to Chicago where I am. <laughs> That's exciting Bye. for me because now we can start, we can record in person then. They'll be oh, excited. yeah. Next time, next time we see each other, it better be in person. Yeah. Uh, for sure. so you're going to be here in the city. I, I'm right now we're recording this in the evening and during evening recordings, I like to drink a glass of Bordeaux <laughs> or two or three. And, uh, so we're going to be sipping here. We're going to be talking public health today. Um, yeah. just going to like pick your brain about it. And, uh, so many different, so many different, uh, topics and things to get mm -hmm. into. Uh, but to start off. What what is on your mind most with public health right now? So it was like, I don't know, like there are so many topics, as you just said, but I mean, we can start here with COVID. We can start with um, maybe also obesity in the U.S. or some other problems you have seen like on over the population. Let's uh, I'm not known to talk about COVID on this podcast. Why don't we <laughs> why don't we get into COVID? Because where where are we statistically i i don't really pay attention to the news i used to look at the statistics now i don't like 
<laughs> Can you share with me where we are with COVID? Yeah, sure. So like I used to be like pretty much into COVID like from the beginning of the pandemic, but over this like a couple of months, I haven't taken too much action about it. However, like I still I'm still I still have a good idea where we are by right now. So like for example, Chicago has already raised all the um, mask mandates. Um, like most of the population has like double vaccinated up to triple vaccinated and now you know some people who actually got the second booster right mm-hmm. right around that track so um right now the um, the variant of prevalence it's omicron of course but the problem is that um omicron is divided into two different categories it's like uh, the variant b1a and the variant b2a i don't know exactly where the, they orig- originated from but um, there are some theories about Omicron, to be honest. But the pro- problem between Omicron, I mean, sorry, the main difference between Omicron and the Delta variant mm-hmm. is that Omicron is like more transmissible. Okay. So is that what we're on right now? I thought Omicron was like in uh, the winter. It was over the winter, yes. But is it still the- around? There's not another variant? That's no, come yeah, up no, yet? no, no. We're with the B2A right now. We're in what? B2A. That's uh that's an Omicron subvariant. Okay. So that's okay. A one explain this prevalence. to me. Uh yeah. How does a virus become a variant? And then how does it become a variant of that particular variant? Actually, do you allow me to show my screen? Actually, I have the perfect explanation for yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me get into a map because like there, there's a page called Next Train. I learned it in my class. And it's amazingly good to actually explain that question. Um, let me open it up. And you're coming from from this. We're talking about public health. You're coming from a biological perspective, a researching perspective, mm-hmm. and a statistical perspective, right? Yes. Yes, but I feel that I want to get more into statistics. Yes, because like I feel that. Um, like by the methods I learned my statistics program, I'll actually be able to explain that phenomenon more accurately. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't know why my screen is like that, but let me put the unrolled tree here. So have you ever heard about phylogeny trees? I don't think so. Like, um, uh, let me show you. So can you see this uh, tree? Yes. So we are. Uh... Okay. Let me start. Basically, okay. let me see if I can pull it out. Okay. So here's what, the what program is this? Oh, that's only a web page. It's called Next Train, where they actually uh, get all the all the COVID variants and they build it here. Okay. So we started here in 2020 with the original variant, right? So this is this is like the the family tree of the COVID. Exactly. Okay. Yes. That's how, like, the best way we can explain how COVID is, like, emerging, to be honest, or, like, uh, creating another variant. So wow, this visual is, is much, it's, it's helpful to understand. Oh, yeah. I can kind of see. And at some point, I, I didn't know if, like, vaccines were actually, um, you know, did any effect on Omicron. But after seeing this, I actually understand now why it's, why, why it's like, this going on. So okay. to start with, we start here in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see how this actually like split in two different subgroups. You have the Delta group, you have the Omicron group, you have the Alpha group. And it's actually pretty interesting because you can also see like where in the country, which one is the most prevalent. Yeah, so we're looking at it right here. It looks like um, 
the yellow. So the the Omicron is the most prevalent, which you, you oh, said is yeah. the most transmissive. Mm -hmm. uh, let me tell you why. So if we go to the unrooted tree, we can actually see like how far uh, of, um, from ancestors these variants are. So what happens when the vaccine came over, um, all the companies, Pfizer, Moderna, um, well, the other people who actually develop it, they did it to actually fight the Delta group. But what happened here? We have Omicron, which is like a really far ancestor from Delta. Like they're not even related here, as you can see. Okay. Yeah, they're they're far apart. Yeah. Exactly. So what's the deal with the vaccine here? Like there was a paper uh, published by I don't quite remember if it was like late December or early December of 2021 when Omicron first started. And they actually predicted that Omicron was going to be the new popular variant among us, which actually ended up being the popular variant. Mm -hmm. And they should talk about the vaccine efficacy. And uh, to with some studies they did, they actually found out that either vaccine you have like Pfizer or Moderna or Sinovac, whatever you have, is not going to help to neutralize the virus as it helps to neutralize Delta. Because the vaccine was designed for Delta. It was not designed for Omicron. So why, why was it designed for Delta and not Omicron? Because like the, the, the mass vaccination started with Delta. It didn't start with Omicron. When we thought that everything was like perfect, like Omicron showed up and the cases, there was like a reboot in, in cases, cases increased again. And well, I think that uh, virulence have, hasn't changed much, to be honest. I don't know if there's like enough data to support that actually Omicron is more deadlier than Delta, but it's definitely more transmissible. Yes, because it okay. promotes immune escape. And uh, Delta was the, the more dangerous one, right? Yeah, remember Delta was like the big deal around everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. And yeah. people were dying on this variant. Like not so many people have died on, on Omicron, but here's the deal. People who already caught Delta before in the past can get Omicron just because of the distance in, in variants here. <laughs> this is where it gets so, kind of confusing, right? It's quite confusing, but you can get reinfected if you like you're wondering. Okay. There's like a hundred percent chance you can get reinfected. So what is the so we, we've had the vaccinations? Um are are now that like Omicron is more popular. Do we, the vaccines work to eliminate the severity of it? Okay, so here's how it yeah. works. <laughs> we so with Delta, the vaccines actually help a lot in neutralizing the virus. The vaccines already have some neutralization activity. But with Omicron, because Omicron has so many mutations in the spike protein, like the monoclonal antibodies from the vaccine cannot actually neutralize this virus. However, um, as I mentioned a little bit ago, this paper actually, you know, said about Omicron and all of it. And at the same time, they also mentioned that it doesn't matter like how many booster shots you have, you will not get Omicron out of your body. But okay. you will like uh, prevent going to the ER with the vaccines. Right. So then where, where do you see it going moving forward? That's a really hard question to be honest. Like, yeah, that's a billion-dollar question. Like, like we, are, we, I mean, all of us thought that the the pandemic will have like been over with Delta here with this group, but then this happened, and you know why? Like, um, the super interesting thing about this is like we don't know where where Omicron came from, but one of the theories 
um, comes back from the past. Like, remember when uh, you saw the news that animals were starting to get infected with COVID? Yeah. Okay, so the virus jumped to animals and the virus mutated inside the animals and they, they jumped back to humans. And that's how they think Omicron started. Biology. That is biology right there, isn't it? A lot of virology, yep. Um, so then are we... So the Delta variant is still out there, right? That Delta variant is still out there, but it's not as prevalent as Omicron. Omicron right now is the most dominant one. Like getting Delta these okay. days, I think is quite weird compared to getting Omicron. Like most of the US cases are, are Omicron. Where, what was the country, if you scroll down, what was the country that has uh, Delta as the main one? Yeah, in oh, South America yeah. there, what is that? Uh... It's into a clade. Um, is that, I think it's Argentina or Chile, one of the two. So oh, most countries in the world, uh, it's the Chile. Yeah, it's the the Omicron variant, but Chile has Chile has Delta according Delta. to this. Yeah, it has more Delta. It has more Delta prevalence. They still, have, I'm pretty sure they still have some Omicron, but yeah, they have Delta right now between okay. Peru and Brazil. It's Omicron, but there was, for example, a point in Peru I remember quite well because I got COVID by last year, in which we didn't know which one was more prevalent if it was Omicron or Delta. We didn't, I mean, okay. we didn't have like, enough technology to actually uh, sequence all the data and actually determine, oh, this is Omicron or not, this is Delta. Wait, so go back. That If someone gets it, how do they know which variant it was? Okay, this is like another process, but it is possible to know which variants you, which variant you have. So um, these days, like in order to study that genome, we have something called Sanger sequencing in which uh, they basically code the whole DNA or RNA of the, of the organism. And according to the mutations he has, you can actually, um, how can you say this? You can actually compare it to one of the variants and determine if it's the same or it's a different one. That's how they know if it's like Omicron or Delta. Okay. What's, it's what's lot, the, it's <laughs> what's, uh, what's the other countries that, that have Delta as the majority? Um, well, the US- Is there one in Europe? In Europe as well, but in Europe right now they're facing the B2A, which is Omicron, no Delta. Okay. But there's, there's still like, as you can see, like a good percentage of the cases which are Delta. Same in the, same so in what the is US, it? but most, most likely to find this Omicron. So what, what does it mean when a country has a, a larger circle compared to a smaller one on this I think just, graph? just like up to the population, to be honest. Or like how severe the cases are. I'm not quite sure about that. So like, I'm curious how, when we're looking at this. Oh no, I think what's going on here. Okay. Um, like taking a look into the yeah, second look into this, like, um, have you seen the countries with the most infected people? I think the, like um, these circles, like the bigger it is, the more infected it is, you know, with COVID in those terms. Like more cases, right? More cases, there you go. Yeah. So how does like a country like Spain have like a much, much smaller circle than other countries in Europe? Okay, that so yeah, that depends actually, that's up to the restrictions that governments took place like way back in the days and they're still taking on. For example, I had actually, I'm not quite sure what they're doing right now in Europe, but for example, I'm pretty sure in the United Kingdom, they're actually taking like, um, you know, letters, about, not letters, like... Um, there's something in Spanish we say like cartas en el asunto, which means like they're taking action about it. Okay. So 
It what, what does Africa look like? Oh, it's Africa. Well, um, here's also one problem with Africa. Africa does not have like a lot of public data. Data. Okay. Yes. So, uh, so you would say, especially as someone in bio statistics, that data is pretty important. <laughs> Incredibly important. Yeah. And to be honest, like um, with COVID, I hate to say it, but I mean, we have getting like we have get like a lot of data from viruses that we didn't even know before, and COVID like itself is a huge opportunity to study the behavior of the viruses. Okay. So what do you, what do you take away from looking at we're looking at a map of the world with with mm -hmm. uh with cases and uh we have the tree what is your big takeaway from the the visual graphs of covid my vision like my best guess is that covid is still gonna keep going there's like a lot of new variants every single day as you can see here and in my opinion it's just not keep going on but there's always a possibility that something as Omicron happens that evolves independently from the other variants, which will create another problem. And we hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I like that last statement. We hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, because um, like right now with Omicron, um, I think Pfizer is developing a vaccine. Yes, for Omicron specifically. Yes, for neutralizing the virus itself. Okay. So is there so there's a lot of um coverage about people not wanting to take the vaccine what does the vaccine mm -hmm. do to a person in, inside them can you can you share uh can you share the knowledge you have about what happens when you get a vaccine and then if we need a vaccine for another variant what will that do to one's body like what what happens there Okay, I wish I knew like way more for the COVID vaccines, but um, I got you. <laughs> but wait, to be honest, like, uh, I mean, uh, how can I start this? Okay, so we, are, I mean, like most of the population has done a really good job in getting the vaccines, to be honest. And with that, they have um, taken down the possibilities of going to the ER. So the vaccines have saved a lot of lives. However, in terms of the booster, I think the booster was recommended when Delta was a little bit more severe. And I completely get that. Like um, sometimes you need like a booster just to increase the antibodies in your body because like, as this, I mean, this vaccine is pretty new to be honest. Usually a vaccine, a vaccine takes like 20 years to go into the market. This one took like a, only one year. Yeah. Um, so it's like, um, I mean, Basically, a trials took place in the start. Uh, they have the evidence saying that the vaccine works, but people still don't want to take it. I don't know why, to be honest, but I'm pretty sure, like, my best guess is that it's because of these people who doesn't want to get vaccinated that mm. these new variants are emerging as well. Yeah, so so to, to a person like that who's using that reasoning, these these viruses keep happening. Why should I get uh, a vaccine when it was designed for Delta and not Omicron and how it's going to evolve. Okay, I have a perfect answer for that. It's like, okay. do you want to go to the ER or not? 
<laughs> like being serious you want to go to the ER or not like it's been proven that for example like even though you have Pfizer Moderna or whatever vaccine you have like especially Pfizer and Moderna um they reduce the chances of going to the ER like up to 90 percent between 80 and 80 percent yeah. which is quite a lot and imagine um you get right now I mean imagine you're like another person you get COVID you get Omicron and you're not vaccinated mm-hmm like what are the chances of going to the ER? They're pretty high to to be honest. And if you get through the ER, then it comes the cost of all of it, which is quite high, well, for my understanding. Yeah, I, th- I think that was something with with COVID. I remember when it first was happening, and this is like March, April twenty nine or uh, twenty twenty, and uh, getting my years all mixed up already. Um, and that was like the huge concern is like the ER, we need beds, you know, because we don't want to oh, be yeah. in a situation where you're turning people away from the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, and that, that was the big rush of getting the vaccines out, right? Is so that the ERs don't fill up and then, you know, people don't get treated because they can't get into an ER, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, if, for example, in Peru, when... I went back just to see my family. Like they put me in isolation for 120 days. It was crazy to be honest. Wait, wait, what? Oh, I never told you about it. No. Okay, so this is was... so this was after we recorded. We recorded last in December, I want to say. Last in December, I think, right? So okay, that same year, like on January, I came back to Peru just to here. We can switch off the screen share. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. okay. So going back to Peru, like in 2020, um, I remember when the COVID first hit here and I didn't want to leave the US, to be honest. But at the end, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go to my family. Like, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. What happens? I come to Peru with COVID, all everything going on. And then my parents were like, oh, by the way, we're going to go into lockdown for two weeks. I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, the rumors already started. And you know how is it here? When rumors like go around, it's most probably to happen. So yeah, we went to lockdown for two weeks. And after two weeks, our president came out saying, okay, another two weeks, another two weeks, another two weeks, another two weeks. And so this is 2020 year, or 2021? I think it was 2020. Okay. So this is before we talked. Yeah. Yeah. Why before we talked? Okay. And yeah, it was like, it. Ha- I mean, it passed like three months to be honest at the end. And it was isolation, like fully. I wasn't able to leave my house. And I remember also that big lines that, People used to do at the markets. I remember that my parents used to go out from home around um, 8 a.m. just to get their groceries for the week. And they would come back around noon or sometimes even 1 p.m. I was like, why are you guys taking so long? I was, they were like, oh, I recorded the line. It was like all around the block. They only yeah. have a maximum capacity of uh, 25 people. With and this was in what, what months in 2020? In the very early months. It was by spring break, if I remember. Oh, so you were back in, so when, when COVID was happening or started in 2020, this is like March, like, 2020. Yeah, it was like really near spring break. I remember pretty well. Okay. So you went back right away. Yes. I went back right through. away. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. Those, vaccines yeah, those were not first... in the market. There was yeah. nothing. Yeah. That was a wild time, wasn't it? That was a wild time. Yeah. yeah. And I really got really scared of COVID. And yeah. Also, like the testings in Peru, then those hurt. I mean, they didn't the, the what like, in Peru? The testing for COVID. Oh yeah. How many you times have you gotten tested total? 
I mean, uh, I mean, Baru or like all across the pandemic? All across. Well, uh, I don't have a specific number because like last semester we were required to test like twice or three times a week by the university here. Oh, you had a test like two or three times a week? Yeah, that was perfect because like, oh, wow. you can get COVID cases just like this and then you can put them in isolation and actually, you know, lower yeah. the incidence. Wow. Um, but here the tests were not like the nasal swaps. They actually were like spitting tests. Okay. And those work perfectly fine. But in Peru, like I remember the nasal swaps. Those like, first oh, ones? <laughs> oh my oh, God, man. all the way down to the brain. Like you can see the light there. <laughs> yeah and sometimes i feel that um the missed cases here in the u.s like that cases like people don't know they have covid are because of that because now for example if you go to a cvs um and you want a nasal swap you just do like basically this in the superficial of your nose right yeah but i don't know if that's enough to actually get all the material you need to do the pcr like as i mentioned mm-hmm. in Peru, will put like all that went on to to the back of your throat yeah Mm-hmm. And that's maybe like also one thing that might contribute to that case is in the U.S. Huh. Okay, so you you were you were improved, but that was before we talked. That was that way was... before we talked. Okay, yeah. yeah. And okay. yeah, after that, I remember like when I came back to the U.S., I didn't even. I mean, the, the airport was closed, like to start with. Mm. And I came back in a communal in a community flight, communal flight, in which like um, only students and American residents were able to jump in. Oh wow! Yep. This we is almost, from Lima. Oh yeah, it took me almost twenty four hours to get to Miami. Whoa. Yep. So that so that's where um, public health intertwines with. Uh, certainly people's lives and, and memories and uh, everybody will have memories of this time and stories like you just said mm-hmm. of like what you what you did specifically and you're talking about in Peru and, and the, the lines for groceries and they didn't come back for three or four hours um, and I have my own of like you know groceries and it's staying inside for like not leaving the house for like two weeks and um And so we're, we're like seeing for the first time in most of our lives across generations, this kind of impact that um, public health has and, and, and virus in particular with public health. Um, how do you see the next two to three years going as far as COVID uh, generally in your, pers- in your opinion? So in my opinion, it's like, as I said, that we don't know how COVID is going to keep evolving, but hopefully it evolves for the best, like to become less transmissible in those cases. And I hope so as well that Pfizer already releases a vaccine for Omicron or which other subvariants they have, and that most of the population gets vaccinated. Like if all of that happens and people still wearing their mask in like really close spaces, like, yes, we can come like to a, I mean, we can actually go down for the curve like you know in order mm-hmm. to actually um lower the COVID cases but in terms of public health like it's quite unpredictable at this point it's like i always feel that if we did what the cc told us to do like from the very beginning like we'll be in another situation right now but 
I got no idea why this topic became so political. Well, I think we have an idea of how, why, and how and yeah. why, and like the internet and uh, egos and ideologies and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure that that has a lot to do with, with a lot, a lot of things, but yeah, but I feel that politically, like that, that like actually influenced how people acted towards COVID because like in past pandemics, um, I think this was on 2010, I think the H1N1, remember? Mm-hmm. Like people were wearing their masks, they were pretty sure about it. Like I don't remember being such a big deal in the news. So like I was 10 years old, but I still watch it. But with COVID, people got crazy about it. Yeah, it was like... Yeah, it was, well, what I think is it's like the far ends of both spectrums. And it was like, Mm -hmm. they were just like combating (laughs) each other, but that's all you would see. Cause like with, with media and the internet, it, it like magnifies extremism or sensationalism. So then you think you're not thinking of like a majority of reasonable people it's like it uh what do you call it um highlights the 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 extremes Mm -hmm. part and then you think that a majority or it's like statistically right you're looking at statistics it's not representative of an entire population's thoughts and Mm -hmm. feelings it's it's the it's the loudest part of the population whose voices get magnified it seems like exactly yep but yeah. at this point i always feel like i mean political stances does, does not matter when it comes to the health of the whole community here like if we want this to, to be over stick to the f rules you know it wasn't that hard just get your vaccination get your mask try to isolate for a little bit and we'll be fine but people just took that all the contrary about it yeah it's interesting. So, but do you feel like we're we're kind of through the hardest part of this? For I mean, um, I don't know. Something in my mind clicked saying that I mean, Delta was the toughest one, and we already went through it. But mm. COVID is still here. Like, I don't feel we should lower the guard right now. It's like we should actually keep keep it going as we were going. So actually, the cases can go down. How do you think? How, how has our approach, we're seeing the, you know, something as big as COVID, right? This happens mm-hmm. within our communities and society and um, it, it creates a focus on public health in a way that, and a conversation about public health that uh hasn't been there in the past how do you see and i I think you kind of led into this a little bit earlier but how will this now affect how we talk about public health moving forward like Mm, i think like i mean public health before the pandemic started with it was not such a popular deal right like yeah 
like people will usually go in there if they actually want to have their community or want to like study epidemiology or summer diseases. But after the pandemic, I feel that the um, topic of public health is just going to explode, you know, because yeah. like after what happened, I feel that um, most of the people are, wanna, are, I mean, they are willing to go to public health just to try to avoid what happened here. Yeah, and you can see how public health can, you know, there's so many effects of it where we talk a lot about like the supply chain being all wonky now too and, and still not corrected. And that affects the economics of everything and, and everything's kind of interrelated. Um, it's interesting. It's, <laughs> and, we're, yeah. and it's not over yet either. <laughs> It's not over. It's, it's no over. Definitely not. But I mean, as I said, people are starting to take it a little bit more lightly, lightly you know? Yeah. Even me, to be honest, like sometimes I feel like I don't want to wear my mask. I don't wear it. Like I just wear it when I'm in class, to be honest. Yeah. Or if in like a really confined okay. space, I'll actually put it on. But otherwise, it's like. Um... Yeah, we have. um the only place in Chicago that people wear masks or it's mandated is the CTA. And CTA. I would say probably about 75% of people abide by the rules. Um, and it's not enforced. And I think that's another thing too, is like the enforcement has been like, it's, like there's a mandate, but then also it's like almost impossible to enforce. Mm -hmm. And then like, at what level are you enforcing it? Right. Like I was working at a restaurant this whole time and, you know, we enforce it as much as we can, but also like there's, there's only so much you can do in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But yeah, I think, I think people, uh, it's a pretty good number. I would say like 75%. Yeah. If people, you know, just take an extra precaution on the train, it's it's not too big of a deal. I don't think people are too concerned about that. Um, it's an interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as I said, like hopefully yeah. people take more awareness after this pandemic and for the next pandemic, like, I hope people actually, like, take a look back into COVID and be like, okay, we actually screw up here. Like, we need to actually make things right this time. Something like this is so immediate where I'm looking at uh, top public health problems on Google right now. Mm -hmm. Biggest health, biggest public health concerns. Is it bacteria in there? Is what? Is bacteria in there? It is not. No? It is. Well, maybe it's a, okay. So this is what the list has. Heart disease is number one. Diabetes, okay. stroke, one. Yep. obesity, yep. cancer, oh, yeah. mental health, hypertension, injury, tuberculosis, violence, climate change, influenza, depression, substance abuse, air pollution, depression, type two, really? diabetes. Coronavirus disease 2019, global health, Alzheimer's disease, chronic diseases, environmental health, hospital-acquired infection, breast cancer. I actually am surprised that they have like um, cardiovascular problems and diabetes before COVID, but... 
So, but I guess that's, they're talking about, those are the effects, right? Not the cause. Yeah, but in terms of like, okay, yeah, you're right. They're talking about the effects like cardiovascular disease. There's a lot of things that can trigger it. Uh, diabetes as well. And that has to do with like, believe it or not, with food consumption, like a lot of it. Yeah. So, so your focus is on statistics, research. Yeah. Like a lot of these public health issues are coming down to like diet or. I hate to say it, but yes. (laughs) What'd you say? I hate to say it, but yes. Like most of those problems like comes to diet, cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, obesity, all of that comes to diet a big part of it so why aren't we talking more about that it's because like um how can i say like like isn't this obvious if you look at this yeah it is yeah it's obvious but still people love to consume sugar here like have you realized Um, the american people love to consume sugar and i get it it's delicious but it's killing us so how do you go about talking about that in like a, a non-confrontational way or agitated way? What do I want to say? Antagonistic I, way. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Like how, how do you explain to people that the food we're eating is making... It's more likely to cause harm to you in the long run. And then as a society, as a country, it's going to be harmful to us long term as well. That's a good thing. It's really hard to convince people like what they should eat and what they should not eat. But like one way to actually convince them, I'll say it's like, that's a really tough question to be honest, like. That's like, probably why this is an issue right yeah, now. Yeah, so yeah. Right? I like Otherwise, it wouldn't be an issue. Do, yeah, how do you explain to people without getting them triggered? Yeah, that's a good word, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, okay, for example, um, dang, this is pretty hard. <laughs> but maybe yeah. a way to actually picture it will be maybe to look at the past. Like by the 1820s, uh, maybe the 1900s, um, before actually processed food became a huge deal here in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Like sugar consumption back in the 1800s was extremely low, like I think five pounds a year or maybe less. I think today okay. it's almost 30 pounds a year of sugar consumption. Yeah. And that's actually has to do like, for example, the um, Coca-Cola, all those sodas, the, even yogurt, um, even fruit, believe it or not, like orange juice, that can be like pretty bad for you. Yeah. So what are you supposed to look at on the label then to indicate? I, I have some label here. <laughs> but um, so usually when I do groceries, like I'm mostly concerned to what I put into my body to minutes because I don't like to put like too much sugar or too much refined yeah. carbohydrates or refined food. Let me, uh, so, let me see what I have around. <laughs>
like anything, even that candy. I will say, uh, <laughs> I thought I had an empty bag of jelly beans in my trash, but I, I don't. <laughs> I threw it. I was like, <laughs> I was like that, that's my, my kryptonite is the, I like the gummy sugary substance. Oh, I love those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but to be honest, like, I mean, I got this from Peru. My, my right. brother bring them with me. And let's say, for example, um, I mean, there's a lot of the to decompose when you look into a nutrition label. Like, for example, we, we talk about fat. Um, yeah. Like, you know. Well, okay. So the discussion about fat, I would say like 10 years ago okay. was kind of the focus. Oh, yeah. Remember People like, talking about when, trans fats, no? saturated fats. So the focus was like zero fat this. But then... Uh-huh we didn't focus on the sugars and now it seems like we're focusing exactly. more on the sugars, right? So here's the deal. When they actually have a product and I've realized that saying like, Oh, reduce fat or 0% fat. They go into a sugar. It's probably like way higher up, like 18 grams, even to 30 grams. I've seen. Wait, what did you say? Like whenever they have a product and they say like, Oh, fat has been reduced or 0% fat. They go into a sugar. They, they actually raise they, the sugar. They raise the sugar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, like, um, I think a perfect example to actually address this is Coca-Cola, the drink everyone loves, right? Um, it has phosphoric acid. It has a ton of substances. And actually, let me take a look into the nutritional label of the, of the Coke here. I don't think you want to do it. It's probably like 40. I, I will say, like. No, um... no, I just want to take a look into the macros. That's it. Oh, yeah. Aver, nutritional label. Let's see. Okay, so here's something like we actually need to look forward. It says zero fat, zero grams of fat, zero grams of saturated and trans fat. And it has salt on it. And at the same time, it has 39 grams of sugar. Oh, it's lower than I thought it would be. I think Pepsi has only, like in the 40s. Only one, only one can though. And yeah. people can drink three of those a day. It's such a, such a big amount of sugar here. But here's the deal. Like, you know what's the trick here? They put salt because salt itself makes you thirsty. Same with, and why do they put sugar? To actually make the flavor look actually absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So once you drink one, um, probably wait like 20 or 25 minutes, you'll be incredibly thirsty. And you will like to go for a second one, maybe a third one or fourth one. Mm-hmm. And that's ter- actually terrible for you in those terms. But that's part of the hard thing about changing consumption habits in America is like you're free to choose and eat whatever exactly. you want. And that's I something mean, I actually like... liked. Yeah, because like when I came here to Yovai, I came here uh, weighing 74, 75 kilos. I don't know how many pounds is that, but I ended up getting almost 10 kilos after my first year here in the U.S., Specific glass of wine. Four. <laughs> you have some there for the rest of the conversation. Oh yeah. So we finished the bottle. This is uh Chateau Nico. Okay. I don't know. I just buy wine based on the labels. Based so this on one's like a, a simple looking label. I don't know if one can see it. Because yeah. huh. anything with the word chateau in it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting that. That's it. That's a big deal. So, <laughs> so it's it's probably similar to like how. Like I don't drink soda um, and I, I I'm thankful yeah. something I really appreciate my mother about is how like nutrition wise, she was always, she was always good about it. Like, whereas like 
at a young age, when I'm in grade school, all my friends are eating Twinkies and chips and soda. She never put that stuff in my lunches. And I hated her for that. But long Same. run, I don't have the taste for it. And like soda, if I drink soda, I feel like physically ill. Yeah, right. It's like, but I if mean, I drink so a glass of wine, I don't. <laughs> so there you go. But sometimes it's like, um, I mean, it's, yeah, I barely drink soda. So it would be weird for me drinking a soda. But whenever I drink one, it will be like probably a zero Coke, which is half as bad as a regular Coke, I guess. But how many different so. and, and there's so many variations of yeah i can like, like they have and... they have like coke zero with zero calories coke zero of zero caffeine um what's the big deal here so then so then we're getting into another issue and that's like you have so many variants <laughs> the variants and they're designed <laughs> to get you to keep consuming it right the addiction to it in a way right yeah it's because like you have something new to try every day. It's like same with Oreos, right? We, I mean, for example, in Peru, we only have um, two other flavors, like the really classic one, and we have also the vanilla ones, the yellow ones. Here you have mint Oreo, mocha Oreo, pumpkin Oreo, like probably every single kind of Oreo in the in the world. I don't know. It's because this is America, and we, exactly, <laughs> and we we get we get a variety, and you get to choose whatever you want. <laughs> But here comes like my story. Like when I came here on freshman year, I came here with 163 pounds and I got up to 185 in my first year here, in my first semester. I was eating like a maniac. Like I remember one of those nights, I actually chugged a huge bag of M&Ms by myself. Like those big ones. I was like, Argh. yeah, yeah. That and that's called, but that's called the freshman 15, isn't it? The freshman 15. I didn't know that was a big thing here. Like, I yeah, that's a term. It. Yeah. It happens to everybody, I think. I learned about it like afterwards, but I didn't know about it. Yeah. But so, what does that have more to do with? Like, just uh, you're on your own and you, you just kind of, um, there's no supervision to look over you. So you just do what you kind of want. And then exactly. those are the results, right? Those are the results. But then I actually took conscious about it. And I was like, okay, I've actually hit the rock bottom here. I need to actually, you know, try to lose a little bit of weight to get a little bit more healthier, start doing a little bit more of exercise. And um, I actually got to reduce like a lot of weight from that. So then um, minus COVID, what would you say as far as public health goes, some of the best things we can be doing to address these, these issues? So I know here in Chicago, you guys have a sugar tax, right? Not anymore. There was such an uproar about it. Yeah. Really? See, this is, this is what we haven't talked about too is, uh, low-income communities consuming oh, yeah. more sugar-related products. Mm -hmm. And then but, that gets into like food scarcity and availability of healthy food in um, areas, uh, food deserts. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that term before? Never. Oh, okay. So this is like saying low-income areas not having access to grocery stores with healthy food within I see. a close range. Mm -hmm. So then you're stuck 
kind of eating foods that are more processed, more um, perishable or non-perishable. And then, you know, the effects of that um, continue. Mm -hmm. But it's like, even though in those stores, I'm pretty sure you can find uh, at least a piece of chicken, right? Mm -hmm. Or to cook for yourself. And that's something I should notice about, about here. Like most Americans, like, I don't know if they actually can cook by themselves. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's like, certainly something. Um, it's it's also like education, right? And most yeah, exactly. most of these public health issues that we're talking about are coming from low income areas, most mm -hmm. likely in inner city and then rural America. Yes, where the the education can be an issue in a way. No, yeah, I completely get. You know what it. I mean? Like, Yes, for example, I learned cooking from my mother and I really appreciate for to for today's to be honest. I always cook my food down like actually to go out and eat, but I know there are like some people here in the US, like they don't even know how to fry a chicken, for example. And that's leads to another topic because they can get a salmonella or other bacteria, and that's a big problem. But as you mentioned, like I feel that um you know, maybe government should promote a little bit more of education in these low-income level areas about, like, um, healthiness in terms of the food you eat. We were, so we were on this trip in 2018, and uh, it was me and a few friends, and we went to Southeast Asia, and we went to Hong Kong and Vietnam and Thailand on this trip. And we were in Phuket, Thailand on the beach. And we were having, I think, breakfast. And the topic came up. What do you think the most important subjects are to teach, to teach children? Mm -hmm. um, and we determined nutrition being one. And we're talking specifically high school, I think. Mm -hmm. Nutrition, like overwhelmingly won. And then we kind of debated about history in a way. Um, but nutrition at a very, education at an earlier age would mm -hmm. prevent a lot of these, these things where we have to then put resources towards them later on to address them when we could be using those resources for other things, right? Yes, exactly. But also, like, you know what's, what's one of the problems here in America as well? Um, children who are, like, between 5, 7, 10 years old, they're getting the diseases that people of 50 year old are having, like fatty liver disease. Have you heard about that? Not specifically, but I can It's imagine. basically accumulated fat in your liver, and that's basically terrible for you, to be honest. Like, they're, like, insulin-resistant they're like morbidly obese and we're talking about people who are like 10 years old only children and why is that it's like mostly because of the huge consumption of candy they have because of all the sodas they drink and as you mentioned like they don't have a proper nut nutrition so it can lead to future problems like diabetes even cardiovascular diseases, diseases. yeah which comes down to um the education on it right exactly everything and like implementation mm -hmm. implementation like 
Sometimes I feel like, for example, a sugar tax, um, it should not be applied, for example, to the lower income areas, to be honest, but they should promote the, the sugar tax they have from the higher income areas and distribute the tax into the lower income areas just to have like a bit more of education on, this ter on these topics. Yeah, that was quite a quite a hot issue. Like once it would it was it was in effect for maybe like a few months. Mm -hmm. There was so much outrage for the sugar tax that oh yeah, <laughs> it was then repealed. Oh yeah. I remember that in working in the restaurant when I would charge someone for like a Jack and Coke, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have the tax and then the, the tax comes up. Um Something as small as that. Of all the issues, something as simple as simple seeming as that sparks the most outrage. It's interesting. Yeah, and as you as we said by the beginning, it will be hard to explain this topic to people without without like uh, getting them triggered, right? Right, because it's not you don't want to you don't want to put anyone down. You don't want to. Mm -hmm offend people in their potential habits that they've um, been practicing. It's the general question of how do we, how do we create and promote a healthier way of living for an individual and also as a, as a society that's healthier mm -hmm. as a society. And at the same time, it's not to bother the people or to tell them what to do. It's basically because we want to help them to prevent other diseases they might get when they're all older. Yeah, that's that's like that's such a hard task in America because yeah. everything is rooted in freedom. Don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, to be honest, I love so, it, but it's like there's a point where there's actually like something that needs to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So these, these are public health issues. Some of the issues we addressed them in our last episode and gene editing. <laughs> I think I talked about a little bit about bacteria last time. I think so. What is, what's on your mind as far as biotechnology? I haven't read much about biotechnology, to be honest. Like the only thing I see yeah. on the news is like COVID, 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 and yeah, <laughs> no, no much about it. Like they are basically just trying to get the vaccines out to the market and make it maybe make it more accessible accessible to to other people. So what's what's then something you're curious about? In which terms? Let's say in biology and then in general. In biology, what I'm curious about, like, um, well, as you may know, like, I'm, I like to go like for different biology topics, like COVID, pop, uh, maybe like diseases as well. But something that actually goes through my mind in terms of diseases is like, um, there is a disease called atherosclerosis, which is basically the clot of your arteries, and that comes to cardiovascular diseases. So. Is there actually like a correlation, an extremely big correlation between the food you eat and the chances of you getting atherosclerosis being obese or not obese? So say that again. So you're wondering if there's a big correlation between like this that, particular uh -huh. thing, which is the clogging of the artery. Yes. And um, obesity. Of, basically, yes. 
Okay. Like there's not a, um, I've been reading quite a little bit about it like over the last months and there's not actually a direct relationship between like obesity or maybe the food intake, but it goes mostly down to biology, to something called a polypoproteins, which is a carrier protein. I don't know how else to explain it, but basically um, they distribute these fat particles all across your body and they may end up clogging your arteries. So it's like, are these polypoproteins actually, um, you know, they get like influenced by the food you eat, like by your habits, um, demographically, I don't know. It will be something interesting to actually take a look at. Hmm. Something my mind has been on recently is how um, I've been talking to some physicists on the podcast. Okay. And how like everything in the universe is made up of atoms. And it's how they're assembled that makes things what they are. And so you can take, if you're looking, especially say at what you consume, right? You're putting atoms, small molecules of uh, things into your body and how that can affect your body. It's, it makes even more sense to me how, how the health of your body is oftentimes a result of what you put into it that's going down not even to like what you're eating but also the air you're breathing and water you're oh yeah yeah well luckily we have a lovely topic these days called biochemistry elaborate on that um so i'm not i mean i'm not a biochemist to be honest but i know that in terms of nutrition whatever you want to explain how a food actually decomposes your body what effects does it actually have for your mitochondria or your cells they actually go into um, biochemical reactions, which are like basically molecular reactions inside your body that actually made from stage A to stage B happening. Okay. So and that's. I, I don't want to so get my hands too deep into there because it's like a really complicated career. <laughs> it's like too, huh. um, how can you say this? Too, um, too big. That's like a deep, that's a deep, uh, that's a deep major. Yeah. Yeah. So you're focusing more on like overall big picture big statistics picture, yeah. and like statistics, COVID diseases. Um, but something that all scientists have that curse about is like, why is this thing going on? Like scientists like are obsessed with knowing the truth about it. It's like an obsession obsession people has, especially when they're studying like these topics. So you're curious if there's a big correlation between these diseases caused by clogged arteries and obesity. Obesity and obesity depends on the food intake you also have, or it can be like genetical. There's such a lot of uh, values here that can go in variables. Mm. It's a really big picture, that thing. <laughs> and to be honest, like I tried to actually look, um, I think I did like a presentation about it for a past class. And they actually said that, uh, for example, this disease was more prevalent between obese people and yeah, basically they said obese people and diabetic people. And I actually took a look into the CDC map and mostly the areas of the South are the big reds for obesity and diabetes. 
And actually, like, I didn't find more demographical information about it. And I said my conclusion saying, like, if there's a thrombosis, I'm pretty sure it should be, like, around this area. If there's a what? If there's, like, a thrombosis, like, the clot of um, your arteries, it definitely happens, like, mostly around this area just because of this, 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 and these variables. Go more into these variables. So atherosclerosis, as I mentioned, is happened because of, of obesity. But at the same time, um, it has something to do with, uh, with the apolipoproteins. Like they ha- there, there has not been like much research about it to establish like a direct relationship about it between apolipoproteins and atherosclerosis. But they know something is happening there. It is known something is going on there with the apolipoproteins and the way to distribute the fat across your body that end up being in your arteries. Do you think we'll get to a point where we can reprogram how our body works? As far as, <laughs> as far as uh, the, the fat cells or the content you're talking about going to your arteries is a way is there going to be a way in the future to reprogram it so it doesn't go to those places i got no idea like um as i always say like the body is the most mysterious machine in the whole world <laughs> like we know a bit part about it but we don't know f- we don't understand it fully it would be cool to be honest like to actually like be like okay like i don't like this well just not click a button and we erase it but I don't know if that will be even possible, not in the near future. Yeah, that's like if you can lose weight by eating cake and donuts and... Oh, no, be so good. <laughs> well, how do, how do we not know more about the body? Is it because we're creating so many variables that go into our body more Exactly. More, like for the explanation of something, there's always a backward explanation. Like it's like a chain, like... We like to go to the region of the chain, but it just keeps going on. There's always an explanation for what's going on. And then it's, it's hard to get results oftentimes because results take just years and time to accumulate. Exactly. Yep. Especially if you're Make looking at something, I... say like, like air quality, right? Oh yeah. Like in these 20 year span, this is. What do we have? How many people, this is the data of how many people had respiratory issues in this city mm-hmm. compared to the next 20 years. And because of these measures, what is the difference? And it's just like living the human story. And there's only so much information and variables available to us. And we're just kind of like guinea pigs in a way. Exactly. It's like yeah. you are always going to keep adding things to your model. Like um, nothing is like 100% predictable. I mean, it will be amazing, but it's simply not. So we talked about CRISPR last episode. What is, what is something that you're excited to know more about in the next few years? Uh, to be honest, I actually want to know if like uh, virus can be treated with CRISPR, for example. Like I know some groups were doing um, COVID testing with CRISPR, which was actually more efficient and way faster. However, like you need to use like pipettes, and apparently, like they don't want people to use pipettes. They don't want to. Tra- they don't want to, you know, make them use laboratory equipment without the proper use. What What is this pipe? Pipe what? Pipettes. Pipettes. What's that? Pipettes. So it's basically um, 
maybe I'm saying the word wrong to be honest. It's uh it's pipette. Here, how do you how do you spell it? Uh P-I. Okay. I don't wait, let me actually look it up here. It's um yeah, so it's uh P-I-P-E-T-T-E-S. It's basically yes. Oh, those, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what yes I, I kind of thought you were. One. Yeah. So there, uh, for those listening and watching, there's a, those are those things that go in your, your nose when they're testing these like swab things. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And like as I said, like there are people who are actually trying to get a way more efficient way of doing COVID testing with CRISPR, but um, they require the use of laboratory equipment such as pipettes, but they don't want regular people to use them, but like maybe they can use it in an improper way. They can actually hurt themselves. Maybe not like no idea. So you're, you're really. Curious about the virus, like vi virus. How do you say that? Virusology. Uh, virology. Virology. Yeah. And the ways that we can impact it and address it to make it better in the future, right? Exactly. Like, as soon as the topic is interested, I'm interested. <laughs> is what? As soon as that topic is, like, incredibly interested to call my attention, I'm full-time into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what can CRISPR do that we can't do now with viruses? Like, to be honest, I'm also curious, like, if actually CRISPR is going to, at some point, be able to identify the genome of the virus and actually just cut it because... As we said in the previous podcast, uh, CRISPR is uh, basically a coloring, ma a coloring machine. That was that was an incredible episode, by the way. <laughs> like that, the possibilities with that are just so they're so big. It's a big panorama yeah. here. It's like it's like you get it, you get this virus, and then then you're just like, nah, I don't want it. <laughs> do do yeah, do exactly. do. You want it? Delete. Boom. That's delete <laughs> <laughs> wow that'll be great at some point but like i don't know how far technology can go it's um yes unpredictable yeah hmm. but me personally as a biostation like as a future biostation i'm like most interested of how things work and why does this happen does this happen and for this like you actually need like statistical tools as well and I'm also like really interested into clinical trials. Like I want to see how something affects a population by itself. I want to see it by myself and analyze it by myself. Like that's my main area of interest. What, what do you mean by that? By like seeing it yourself? Like clinical trials um, as a biostatistician. Oh, clinical, clinical trials. trials. Yes. Okay. I will basically get all the data caught by, by the um, scientist and I will analyze it and I'll draw my own conclusions from there or like the, the obvious conclusions. And that's what I'm mostly excited about because like I can see by first hand by first hand how does something work. Yeah. When it comes, for example, that COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. What vaccine did you get? Moderna. Yeah, when I tell people I got Moderna, people are like, oh, oh, Moderna. Is what that like the, the, the name brand? Here. <laughs> What's that? We're the Gucci vaccine here. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the luxury <laughs> brand of virus. Yeah, of I don't know what's going on with the vaccines, rather. Like, I know that Moderna actually gives you like an extra layer of protection compared to Pfizer. Like, it gives you like okay. an extra, a little bit extra. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That was always interesting. Yeah, like, out. I haven't got my booster yet, to be honest. Like, um, I'm not like the kind of person who like to get a booster like every single, every three months or every time yeah. a new variant emerges. So I'm waiting till Pfizer releases the COVID, the Omicron vaccine. I will, yeah, I will get that one as soon as it gets out. Okay, so you're you're you got the full Moderna one. I got that two doses of Moderna, but I don't have a booster. Okay, I'm in the same situation, same yeah, exact. Plus, I got COVID last yeah. year, so so far I don't need it. Like technically, I should need it because it's been more than three months. But still, I'm waiting for Omicron because, like, if another variant comes out, what? Like, they're gonna recommend the fourth fifth six booster shots like yeah there's no point interesting well this has been a fabulous conversation <laughs> thanks for uh coming on and discussing some of these issues with us no of course i love it yeah uh and i'm excited for you to to move to chicago that'll be a lot of fun well next episode she'll be like in a nice in a nice chicago area like in a coffee center or something oh yeah yeah Definitely. i'm down for that for sure there we go yeah, where where can people uh, follow you and, and learn more information about what you're doing? Like, um, I just I just got a Twitter account. I can send it to you if you want to, and Ooh. my Instagram as usual. Um, I yeah. usually don't post much on Twitter, but I'm trying to. Yeah, I think we're all in that position. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to do a little bit more. I it's know like, I should, but <laughs> it's like I don't know. Sometimes I get nervous about posting on Twitter because like I know how toxic can it be. Yeah, man, that's Twitter yeah. is a. I actually I don't use Twitter much at all. And I like, use it uh, like mostly to watch the news, but in terms of me like commenting about it, it's like maybe yes, maybe no. It's like I have that comment in my mind, that thing I want to put I want to put down, but then I'm like, I don't know if I should put it or not. You don't know until you test it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to cause a huge deal here or like I don't want to, you know, go into the toxic area. Yeah, I find Twitter to be just from what I see. I don't post a lot, but I just. Yeah, Twitter is you can see you can see the value in it. You can sure. see it on Twitter. Yep. But, but it's also like too at what cost? Mm. And uh yeah, that's something I think about. But I do find, um, I think, more analytical or more, like, technical-minded people are on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Or, like, people like people are who are more, like, word-based rather than visual-based. Yeah. I think are, are more on Twitter, whereas, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more on Instagram. I like the, the visual communication. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, man. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, thanks again for coming on. This has been great. Uh, yeah, I love this episode. Episode 187, we talk in depth oh, yeah. more about CRISPR and the implications of it and what it means for uh, the future of humanity. Um, <laughs> thanks again. Always great. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really liked it. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Raphael on Instagram at... Raphael underscore A1206. Take some time today to think about your own health. Are you living as healthy as you want to be? 
And if not, identify, take some time to identify the areas that you can improve in. Create a plan and take action on it. Because your individual health affects all of us. It may not seem that way, but it does. And all these things compound. And so a healthier society is a better society. And we can all strive to live longer, healthier, and happier. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic day.